welcome back to another edition of the Grizz Den Pod. We are uh, doing this one over the phone. Uh, we've got up on FaceTime, we got Brantley Davidson. Let's go. We got Ty Smith. Let's go. You might not recognize that voice because this Such is a deep voice. This is Ty Smith's <laughs> flu game. Uh, he literally had the flu and his voice is still recovering. Ty, how you feeling, man? I'm good, man. I'm uh yeah, recovering spot on. It's kind of like the Grizzlies right now. Um <laughs> but before we dive into all of the uh the current woes of this stretch here, um look, guys, we had an awesome event last Saturday. Uh we talked about it leading up for a couple of weeks and uh the listeners delivered. They came out in full force to support the Grizz Den. We had a the launch of our uh our t-shirts and at an event at Crosstown Brewery. It was awesome. Uh we were out there. We expected to be out there for like a couple hours and I know like we were we were there from 11 a.m. until probably 4 or 5 p.m. um because of you guys. So we we appreciate you coming out. Um, the t-shirts so far have been a hit and we're really excited about that. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Guys, what was what was y'all's favorite part of Saturday? Oh man. I think it was selling out of the joggle shirts for the most part. We yeah, only had a couple cool. left. Um, you know, I think we were excited about that shirt um and to see uh the interest uh resonate and it sort of start to take off get them while they're hot uh we're not running out of inventory but that doesn't mean you still shouldn't go get one <laughs> grizzden grizzden.com go to it buy some stuff um fair part of the day it was just it was perfect outside it was beautiful um so it was really nice being out there a lot of our friends came which was awesome so we got to talk uh, to them more about the pod and they're excited we're excited it's just it was fun and yeah and all the guys from from grind city designs too totally. and their partnership that was a lot of fun um, doing that thing with them as well and crosstown everybody was great and if you're listening to this podcast for the first time because we met you at uh crosstown welcome we're glad you're here and uh and uh we are excited for what's ahead uh guys let's get into it the last four games have been anything but fun, and we need to talk about it. Uh, Sacramento, last Thursday, took an L there by four. Uh, Lakers lost by about 12, exactly 12. <laughs> Clippers. Around 12. And not then, 12 and a half. That's yeah. not 12 and a half. That might have been the spread, but... Uh, Clippers and Rockets then lost by about 30 each in those games. Um, guys, things are trending downwards right now. Um, and I just – let's get a general sense of where where the feelings are right now about this Grizzlies team. I think um, we sort of talked about how this stretch was going to be rough. And I think, you know, we're, sort of when we're recording this right now, I think we were sort of hoping that maybe we would be at least one and three instead of zero oh and four, meaning we would have um, come back and maybe won that game against Sacramento. So not not having won that game, I think, is definitely sort of maybe setting a little bit of a different tone and making it sort of frustrating. I think for us, um, but that's just kind of my general kind of I guess observation just to start. Yeah, the Sacramento game to me was one of those kind of perfect storms. Harrison Barnes couldn't miss. Um, I felt like they couldn't miss at all in the first half. They kind of cooled off a little bit, but they still hit 19 threes. They shot 49% from three and hit 19. That's, I mean, that's a lot to overcome. And we still made it a game kind of at the end. Um, but yeah, it was, it was tough. It was a tough game. Yeah, it's Sacramento to me, and I mentioned it in the last podcast, um, but I, I I still remember last season when we started out so so great at 12-5, and five, and then we played Sacramento in one of those five losses, and they were the one who, who kind of made our season trend downwards, and they're just that one bad team that we just can't seem to get over, and... Uh, 
and it's just it's just frustrating, honestly. It's just that's the one you need to win. We talked about it before. We have to we have to win those games if we're going to have a chance uh, to make the playoffs and make a run here at it. And uh, that that was the most painful out of the four for sure. Yeah, and I think one thing that's happening that I, you know maybe you just want to talk about before we get into maybe some of the meat of the podcast is that there really does seem to be this polarizing spectrum happening among Grizz fandom and I guess I would just call it media of you know there there are a, a groups of people I think who are maybe frustrated and or blaming some of these losses on for instance like the the lose trading Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill and sort of suggesting that we would have you know won one or two of these games if we had had those folks and then you know media uh, a lot of the media people are sort of are really strongly pushing back on that suggesting that fans Grizz fandom is sort of being crazy by not keeping uh, long-term um, perspective in mind with with what Justice Winslow has the potential to add to the team, hopefully this year, but at least, um, you know, as a core asset long-term. And I think one of the things that's frustrating for me is that it's okay to, as a fan, um, be balanced and understand long-term what the franchise was trying to do and adding really just a, a potential centerpiece in Justice Winslow and also still being frustrated by the way we're playing right now. Uh, you know, I sort of tweeted this out is that regardless, maybe we've overachieved for the season, but we've sort of, we've become accustomed to a certain style and type of play we and a competitiveness in all of our games this year. And what's concerning, I think, and we're, we're, we'll get into this deep in a second when we talk about the offense is that, the past four games, not only have we lost those, but really the offensive production and what's happening on offense has really been a trend over the past seven to eight games and not just, and, and you know, a couple even before the all-star break when we were actually healthy. So um, I guess, you know, to, to Grizz fans out there, it, you know, hear it from me that it's okay to, to be okay with the long-term upside of what justice adds and still be frustrated by what we're doing and want to see something better maybe even demand different lineup changes uh, and to see things happen differently so that we can still remain competitive. And honestly, like if we had lost the Rockets last night in a more competitive way, I don't think that we would be as frustrated and down right now on this team and what's sort of happening. Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting thought. Um, I, I love the point about how this our play and it being poor isn't because like Jaron and Brandon are hurt. I mean, yeah, that plays a huge factor, but like you said, this has been like an eight game trend. Um, so if you like Brandon Clark played Sacramento and LA, the Lakers game, he got hurt in the Clippers game. Jaron played the Sacramento game and he only played 16 minutes of the Lakers game. He was still in the game a little bit. And yeah, like you said, this trend has been going on for a while. Um, but like, I mean, we're, this is a fandom. Like this is a, we're fans. If we can't like be a little bit too excited and too extreme sometimes, then why be a fan? Like it's part of it. Like you go crazy high in the high points. It's also just as fun to go crazy low in the low points. It's all about being a fan and you can't tell someone how to be a fan. Yeah. And I mean, just with that, I, I sort of, I mean, Let's just get into the R five. We we have five points that we've outlined to to try and cope with this loss and point to reasons why. And I think the first one we're it, it kind of goes from you know the obvious factors to some of the less obvious, but that the things that we still need to point out. And the first number one is the schedule. And I think that yeah, I'm 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 just super bummed that uh, the last two games that we've had to watch were over in the first quarter. And then the rest of the game, you just felt like you didn't even need to watch um, because of how poorly we played. And these two teams got out to like a 20 point lead um, in five minutes. And so that's, it is frustrating. However, you have to, you have to look at the schedule and understand th this was the longest. So we just, our last four games, all four on the road, 
Um, that's the longest road trip that we're going to have the rest of the season. So that's good. Um, we have a three game road trip coming up at the beginning of March. Um, and then a few more sprinkled in there, but all four on the road, uh, coming back after all-star break, a little sluggish. Um, but that's the thing. Everybody was coming back after all-star break. So the Kings were coming back. We were coming back. We should have been out there and, and just taking care of business. And yet we didn't. Um, and but at the, we are still the third, the first ranked in strength of schedule. We still have the hardest schedule. The Pelicans still have, um, still have the easiest. Yet we're th- we're still three games up on them. So there is some perspective. There is frustration right now, but we also do have to have some perspective. And um, yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about the schedule and how how we have to tackle it moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think this stretch of those three teams. I mean, you're 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 going up against the top two seeds um, out of LA, um, and the Lakers and Clippers are you know really maybe not the top two currently, but the ones that should be top two, and then arguably one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now in the Houston Rockets, um, uh, and you know Russell Westbrook, and kind of consideration for maybe one of the the most dynamic players playing right now, and, and from a hot streak perspective, just playing super well. We saw that last night. Um, both Clippers and the Rockets were both sort of revenge games on top of the fact that the stretch was tough. So I do think that there's some perspective and realism there that's helpful. Um, but I do think, you know, sort of your first point um, on just the way that's happening, Brevin and Pete sort of talked about this and, you know, both of the couple games um, recently that it just, we're, we're, we're having a tendency to get down early and sort of dictating the way that we play and maybe sub the rest of the games. And so even some of these big teams and matchups coming up that are a little bit stronger, I do hope to see us be a little bit more competitive in the first quarter, first half of the game, um, as opposed to what we've seen the past um, the past week. Yeah, the first quarter, I mean, we've almost played even the last three quarters of most games we've been in. Um, but, yeah, again, Sacramento just came out on fire. The Lakers are just – I mean, let's get real. They're so much better than we are. The Clippers may be the most talented team in the league. And, yeah, Houston's just on fire. Nothing about that road trip shocked me. Uh, yeah, it sucked that we lost by, like, so much and how we felt like we were out of the game and just got handled. But, I mean, Lakers, Clippers, Houston, like, that's not as surprising to get kind of blown out by them. Um, but yeah, I think the I think that's the biggest issue is just that we've got blown out. Um, but that was a really tough stretch. Um, yeah, they're just a lot better than we are. We kind of have to face that fact a little bit, especially with all the injuries that we have. It's just kind of tough to tough to do things when you know two, definitely maybe even three of your top five, six players are out right now on a young team. Like that's tough to recover from. We don't have all this depth. Like our depth is pulling up two-way guys from the G League. You know, that's our depth. And that's just tough when you're dealing with, like, the Landry Shamets as depth, the Lou Williams as depth. Like, that's tough. Like, you can't – like, that's where you're going player for player on the bench. And you just can't – you can't compare our roster with those other four teams. Oh, let's call it three teams roster. Yeah. I mean, Jaron Jackson averaging 17 points a game. Brandon Clark averaging 12 I mean, who there and who are you bringing up to replace them? I mean, yeah. And one point I want to make too on that is, like, we we may talk about Jod uh, directly here. I'm not sure, but he benefits a ton, and he's allowed to be Jod when like those two guys are healthy and on the floor. And when they're not healthy and on the floor, Jod can't be the Jod that we've come accustomed to seeing. He doesn't have that stretch big who can set a screen and then pop out. And it's deadly from three. That's Jaron. Shooting a really high percentage on a high volume of threes. We've talked about this just all the time in the last probably three or four, what feels feels like three or four pods. His just uniqueness, the unicorn status of him being able to step out and hit a three and then also protect the rim. Brandon Clark catching those lobs coming off screens. God being able to punish people if they help off that. Like, And that's our closing lineups. Like our closing lineups the last – what feels like two months as BC and Jaron have been in those closing lineups and you're taking both of those guys away and it's really hurt job for sure. 
Yeah. So we've, you know, just for listeners sake, our second, second point that we wanted to start touching on was injuries, you know, sort of as we moved away from the schedule and, um, you know, we have sort of had a little bit of a bug, I think, catch us and you're seeing, you know, the, the personnel staff and, um, everyone be super cautious on our young players, which I don't, as fans, I don't think that we would argue that that should be the case. If you saw the video of kind of Jaren's tweaking, um, it definitely was weird. It made me cringe, uh, for sure. Just seeing the way that he landed awkwardly and not to mention that you've got a guy like Grayson Allen who have been playing well off the bench, um, hurt and your trade asset and justice who's hurt. So you really have, you know, four key players that are, that are, are not playing are not able to, to be competitive. And I think, uh, or, or it's hurting our overall competition and it's sort of what's impacting, you know, our ability of our bench to play as a top 10, um, bench in the league, like what we had, you know, touched on, um, last week, um, you know, can they continue to perform this way? Well, they could if we didn't have all these injuries. And so we're to Ty's point and uh, there's moments when you look up in the Rockets game and it's just like, man, are we back to tanking because of the players that we had to call up to actually start to give minutes? It was literally our, you know, G league roster, um, you know, getting a lot of PT. Yeah. I mean, you got to think about who, who's coming in to score. I mean, that's what we've had trouble doing is scoring. And Josh Jackson is having like the best stretch of his good for him career right now, which good is fun to watch. I mean, it's fun yeah. to see these players get an opportunity. See John Concher shooting lights out. <laughs> I don't know if he's missed a shot yet. Um, is that good <laughs> I think we should build around Dusty Hannes. What do y'all think? Uh, build around you. But yeah, it's to your point. It's we are in a we're shorthanded and it, it's it's one of those things where and i think this can get into our third point which is talking about the trade and and what happened there i mean you're losing two rotation guys and jay crowder and solomon hill who were guys that kept you um, not only not only locker room presence to maybe keep attitudes in check during a rough stretch like this but they actually did contribute on the floor they were guys that we had especially Solo off the bench, um, we always knew we could count on him to come in and stretch the floor, make a bucket, and make some plays. And you're you're now – who are you Who are you bringing in? We're, like, we're tapping Marco Guterich almost now to come in and, and be a scorer and, and when he hasn't even gotten any PT in the last two months. And so, I mean, I do feel for Jenkins and his staff. Uh, there are definitely lineups. Like, I know Chris Harrington the other day proposed starting – Brandon Clark and Gor- Gorgie Jang and bring Jonas Valanciunas off the bench um, just because of uh, some shooting concerns, and we can get into that a little bit later. But there's things you can tweak, but at the end of the day, like your second-best player and probably your fourth-best player aren't aren't in your lineup, and they won't be yeah. for the next two weeks, and that's a real yeah. thing. You're potentially fifth best. We like justice could. I mean, the idea and justice. Like, yeah, you forget about him because he hasn't played yet, and he was the one we yeah. got back in the trade. So there you go. And yeah, it's it's just tough with the guys. Yeah, like because people will love to talk about like Jay was shooting under thirty percent from three and stuff like that. Like they'll use that, and that's true. Like they're they're not wrong, but at the same time, like defenses were still afraid to leave him in the corner. Right. Defenses were still afraid to just leave him open on the wing. And he was shooting like really high volume threes. And he was getting those kickouts from Ja when he drove the lane. There's we'll talk about this maybe later. There is no more lane. Ja has nowhere to go. Like everyone has a foot in the lane. Like if you watch that Houston game, it's just insane how they were packing the paint because we couldn't do anything about it. Like if we kicked it out for a three, we either Kyle Anderson. Yeah, we're either, like, not taking the shot at all, like, not even letting it go, or just bricking it. It's just limited in our offense. And, like, everything we've built, that's what makes it tough. It's like we've built this system and we've built this offense throughout this year and we've seen it flourish, right? And now we're st- we can't run that anymore because we, we don't have the pieces to make it work. And that was an argument, actually, before the season started. 
so when Jenkins came in, the his game plan was like, we're gonna let it, you know, let it effing fly is what he kept saying. Um, let the MF or fly. And everyone was like, We can't do that. Look at this roster. We don't have a single shooter on the team. But we still did it. And that like opened up. We kind of adapted to our system and we played our system well. And now like we can't do that anymore because we don't like have the pieces right now to allow that. Yeah, I think I think that's why the second, third, and fourth point, you know, of injuries, the trade, and kind of our fourth point on just what's happening with um, our three-point selection and just keeping it open. Maybe it's not just three-pointers, but it's really just kind of like an open, um, you know, floor plan. They're all really connected because, obviously, spaces the floor he spaces the floor a whole lot more than um you know bc does even though bc is shooting very efficiently and and doing well you know from um behind the arc at least you know for what we were expecting from him um but you know when you think about what we did in the trade we traded away two guys who um the way that i like to talk about both jay and solo is that they were three-point threats so i think as you know box score aficionados and, you know, media members who, and, and us who like to, you know, be dangerous and talking about analytics, you just look at box score percentages and talk about efficiencies in a way that um, maybe downplays the holistic impact that players have if they're inefficient. Um, regardless, you tra- we traded away guys who were threats to defenders from behind the arc and replace them with a a guy that can't pl- that's not playing right now, and a center who is sort of a threat, but he's but he's not a threat like Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill were, and so that's having a larger impact holistically on just our motion um, and the way that we're able, you know, to what we were sort of accustomed to seeing, and it's not even just an adjustment; it's just. To, to Ty's point, I've, in my opinion, what we've seen with the combination of all these things together is that – and what I'm hoping is that we've learned about the type of assets that we don't need in the future, and we've learned about the type of assets that we have to build around our dynamic players is that we need certain type of threats. Sure, we want them to be more efficient, but we really need some three-point threats around these guys, yeah. particularly John Morant, based on the way he plays – or he can't be dynamic. For sure. And we'll get into shooting stuff later, but it also hurts that like Dylan can't hit the broad side of a barn anymore. Um, like he was a very reliable shooter stretch in December and January when we rattled off all those wins. Um, but back to the trade thing really quick. I, I really want everyone to know that we are, all three of us were very pro trade. We really liked the idea. I think all three of us would have done the same thing in a heartbeat if we had the opportunity. We see the long-term play. Like, we understand that getting Justice Winslow is very important. Because we're not, I mean, it's awesome that we're in where we are right now. It's very important where we are right now. And the fact that we're playing um, games that are important. Um, We're playing for something, which is a lot more than what a lot of these young building teams um, can say. Like, a lot of these teams aren't in contention for anything. Um, and we are put in kind of difficult situations and must win games and we're getting best people's shots like that. That is growth in and of itself. Um, but at the same time, I, I think, yeah, it's not surprising that we're going through these growing pains, right? To grow, there's going to be growing pains. We're having those right now. Um, and we, yeah, we're not saying that we wouldn't do the trade or don't like the trade, but we can also kind of look at the current situation and not love it. Um, but yeah, I think moving forward, I think you're right. And a silver lining to all of this is exactly kind of what you were saying, Brantley and Will earlier with Josh Jackson stuff. We can kind of look at our situation. Everyone we have on our roster right now is pretty much under contract, except for Melton and Josh, which I think we'll have the opportunity to bring those. Guys. So pretty much everyone moving forward, especially, you know, when we get everyone back, Justice, Jaron and Brandon, for the last, let's say, month of the season, we will have our entire unit of next year playing together towards something, towards a playoff berth. I think that is very important, too. Not for just growth of our guys, but also like, hey, this is something we may need. This is something we can look into. 
this is what this player can do. We need to put this type of player in a certain type of position. Like Josh Jackson right now, silver lining. He's playing great. Um, he's like playing his tail off too. He's hustling like crazy. He played really well against the Lakers, shot the ball really well, defended decently. Um, I think that's like a good growth aspect of it too. So we're seeing little things. I want to continue seeing growth, obviously. But also we're not a finished product, obviously. Like another thing, back to the Lakers and the Clippers. They have like a two or three year window. In two or three years, we don't know what they're going to be. We have no idea. In two or three years, we're still not even going to be at our peak, which is a whole different conversation too. But I want to see I want to see building and I want to see growth and I think we're seeing it a little bit. But yeah, this this little home stretch is tough because we as what we were saying earlier, we were so accustomed to winning a lot of games and like beating teams that technically were better than us and we haven't been able to do that in the last four games. That doesn't mean that it can't happen in the future. Yeah, one of the, my favorite things actually now that I'm thinking about it is that we're so frustrated because yeah, there was great. there was yeah. at, at last year we were talking about just trying to win enough to even like convey we were already on the draft the fact that we have not i mean we're we're giving our pick to Boston which is one of the reasons why we're not talking about it but the fact that we're not talking about the draft right now i think is important to recognize we're talking about this current season and the potential of what we have to do this year and i think that so many people throughout this stretch that i've run into have just been so down on the Grizzlies and just so disappointed because we have this awesome expectation that they've set. And yeah, we've got injuries. We've we've made a trade that's changed up our our team structure. Uh, our schedule sucks, and those are all real reasons. But at the end of the day, it's fun to know that everybody is is into this team right now this season and isn't writing it off. And so. Absolutely. I think that's important to to note, and and I'll own it. Okay, Ty, you can bark this down. Dylan Brooks, yes, he turned a corner <laughs> about a month ago. Yes, I also that long pause. There's a really long pause. In the last four games, Dylan Brooks mm-hmm. behind the arc is five for twenty-two, and four of those makes came against Houston. Yeah, that's uh. It has been abysmal. If he if he is our second, he's our leading shot attempt player. Yeah, and is one of our top three leading scorers. And yet in this stretch, um, I mean, last night he had twenty two points against Houston in a game that was over in two minutes. But yeah. like, still, he that has been one of the biggest pain points. And ever since he's He's gotten his contract. I don't feel like he's had a game um, where he's actually come out and been the Dylan that we've seen earlier in the season. So yeah. can we – Can we? I want to do this. Our last point is talking about how the team has been playing differently, primarily on offense. And so um, I want to tee this up and talk about it a little bit because everything that we've gone through, primarily between injuries to trade – and how we're shooting from three point and, and what our kind of how we're doing from behind the arc is related to what I think is how teams have made adjustments to us based on assets that we're using on the floor and, and as well as accounting for the John Morant factor. And I think that it's having an impact in multiple areas. Um, I think it's having an impact to Dylan. I think it's having an impact to JV and I think it's having an impact, um, uh, even on our bench. And so I want to at least maybe just tee up some observations that I'm seeing and maybe um, ex- sort of explain that to everyone. And then we can talk about that generally. And then let's go into talking theories on what that's doing to Dylan and to the rest of those things that we just talked about. Because one of the things that I did, and we sort of just, we sort of teased this last week because it was something that honestly I was already so- starting to notice primarily in just um, our, our primary pick and roll action um, with uh, any player who's setting a screen um, for John Morant. And a lot of the times post the trade deadline, right? It's, it's Valanchunas or even Kyle Anderson, Um, if you go back and what I did was one of the games that I just was trying to compare this to 
Um, you'll remember, I think, you know, back, um, you know, what is the date when we played Denver and they came into the grind house and it was one of those games that we were just on fire. I think Dylan sort of had this ridiculous game inside the paint where he was just throwing up stupid stuff all the time. And it just seemed to just constantly be going in. And it was also setting up his outside shot. Um, but one of the things that you notice um, in that game is that, um, you know, Valanchunas, when he's setting um, pick and roll with John Morant, whether it's just them on an ISO play um, between the two of them to sort of set up some of the action as Ja drives into the lane, shields off defenders and looks to either shoot his floater, pass the JV or kick it out to the, to the corners. Um, a lot of times that's happening right in the top of the key. And what you notice is um, uh, Jokic, how he's defending the pick and roll. He's actually guarding above the free throw line. So having your head, you know, JV at the top of the key, John Morant's defender guarding him and Jokic is actually um, right there, maybe one step back from the pick and roll, um, but really close up um, for instance, but really ever since the 76ers game, which was after that where, um, you know, we talked about Ben Simmons guarding Ja very physically um, and into the trailblazers and really the past four games, what has happened is that in that primary pick and roll action, those centers, they're not even remotely close to hedging on the pick and roll. They're taking a step back even behind the free throw line. So if you go and look at the Clippers games, when I was actually, um, you know, watching the way that they're packing the lane, um, You've got, um, uh, you know, the, the primary center who was who was guarding JV uh, to start the game is literally a step into uh, towards the goal from the free throw line. So what that's doing for Ja is he's seeing a clogged paint. Um, and on top of that, the person who's in the corners is not someone who's a threat from three point. It's Kyle Anderson. So his defender not only is it's not is if he's sort of hedging, um, you know, underneath the basket, he is literally two to three steps in um, really close, almost to the block, as opposed to treating Kyle in the corner as a threat. And it's completely cutting off Jaws ability to drive into the lane and do anything with it. So that's maybe just one high level basketball explanation that I just wanted to tee up and, and will and talent if, if, if you guys want to maybe clarify anything that I'm seeing, but that one basic principle is 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 a simple basketball adjustment that's been done, but I think it's disrupting our entire offense um, because of who we have on the floor, and it's something that we haven't seen, in my opinion, an adjustment made primarily from a personnel basis to combat it. Yeah, and I think it's interesting, and that's 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 completely right. If you do, like Brantley sent in our message, just two screenshots, one from that, that Denver game and the other from uh, from one of the most recent games. I think it was against the Clippers, maybe. But yeah. the, the, the way that they were defending just completely differently. And there's, I think, there's a few things with that. If you're not shooting well from outside, then the clogging the paint is, being, is effective because they're basically saying, you're not going to score down here. Uh, you're going to be forced to to shoot it from behind the arc. And if we don't have our shooters out there or those threats that we talked about um, and we're shooting such a low percentage, then you get long rebounds. You are uh, just, we've, we've talked also about the, in the Portland game, how many points in the paint we had. That's, that's our bread and butter, whether we like it or not, no matter how much we let it fly. The other thing is you're missing two of your, your finishers down low and Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark. And so, Jonas Valanciunas and Gorgie Jang, who Jang has honestly scored a lot of his points outside the arc, are your your guys down low. And that's just not so it's it's a it's almost the perfect storm and teams have figured out that uh the way to guard Ja is to sag off him, force him to shoot, and we don't have our guys who can actually finish down low and force and also we're not hitting from the outside. So they're they're not having it's almost like playing a zone defense. Like they're not having to to try and they're just sagging off and that's probably conserving a lot of energy that they can use on the offensive end, which they are. So I think that point is, is, is right on. 
Yeah, there's a few things too. Um, I think y'all are, yeah, obviously both both right for sure. Um, the personnel thing, though, we don't really have personnel right now to combat the problem, to be honest. Um, we kind of traded away Jay and Solo. Um, Justice Winslow is necessarily not not some like knockdown shooter. Dylan's supposed to be the guy. He's in a really bad slump right now. Um, last 12 games, Dylan's shooting 25% from three. Um, on five attempts that's uh that's rough um but let's go back to the high pick and roll we've talked about this a few times too in previous pods what is one thing offensively in y'all's minds that you think jaw needs to work on the most it's just confidence to pull the trigger from behind the three when defenders are lagging off of it yeah yeah shoot the ball in rhythm shoot the ball shoot it well right Uh right so shoot it and shoot it well. So John in the last 12 games is shooting 18% from three on two attempts a game. So he's not shooting it. And when he does shoot it, he's not making it. Yeah. So defenders can go under the screen all day long. And also it hurts because they can also switch those screens and just sag off because the fear is him taking you off the dribble. But if defenders are already in the lane, I mean, he has really nowhere to go anywhere. Um, another big point I want to make, we've also talked about this too, and I know this isn't like current right now because both these guys are hurt. Actually, all three of them are hurt. We have one playmaker in our starting lineup, one, and that's Ja. He literally, no one else on the team can make a play for someone else or honestly themselves. Jonas has also fallen off a cliff. He's looked really bad these last probably, you know, two weeks or so. Um, we throw it to him in the paint. He can't get a bucket. He can't make a play. He can't. He had a double double last night. <laughs> He's gonna have like ten and ten every time he touches, every time he plays. Um, but one point I want to make is on these high pick and rolls. When you have Jaron or Brandon or Justice, I would love to see a Justice and Jaw pick and roll. That'd be a blast. When you have these pick and rolls, um, a great thing that I think they will both develop. All three will develop, and it's important is being able to make a play off the pick and roll. So Jaw kind of comes off, let's say, a Jaren pick. Somebody hedges, Jaren's defender hedges, Jaw kicks Jaren the ball immediately. Jaren will then have the ability to either make a shot, get in the lane, make a pass, like be able to do something with the ball. Brandon Clark ideally will be able to do the same thing. He'll be able to make a play off the pick and roll with the ball. Justice will be able to do the same thing, make a play off the ball. Again, that's not like right now. That's kind of going back to the whole like personnel to combat that. I think we will kind of develop those qualities later on, um, but we just don't have that right now. Like if you look, what's the most, in my mind, the deadliest pick and roll in the NBA is Steph and Draymond. That pick and roll is LeBron and Anthony Davis right now. Right now, currently, but when I think like deadly pick and roll, that's what I think of Steph and Draymond because I go back to that Rocket series where the entire fourth quarter, the only this was last year, the only thing Golden State ran because KD was out. All Golden State ran was Steph, Draymond, high pick and roll every single time. What that happened is it gave Steph space. If no one helped off the pick. If they did, he would immediately kick it to Draymond, who's one of the best role playmakers in the league. I think a thing to look to in the future is Jaron, Brandon, I doubt Justice is going to be the main pick and roll guy, but those two, BC and Jaron. All right, let me cut you off. So let me, let, me tell, let me say it this way. We're playing Sacramento tomorrow. How do we create space? What would you do? Starting five. How do you, how do you create space? We don't have it right now, man. No, 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 no. That's not true. You're the coach. What do you do? How do you do it? Well, you need you need Dylan to be able to make a shot first of all, and you need to be able. JV has to be able to like down be be the man in the paint. Like if he's gonna have Harry Giles guarding him in the paint, he's gonna make a presence, and he hasn't done that at all. And Dylan can't make a shot. So you're you're basically up to Ja either getting to the hoop or someone miraculously being able to hit a three. I mean, so you're saying your theory, you're saying there's no hope unless we start shooting the ball better. No, I mean, like it's a make or miss league at the end of the day. And if we can't make a shot, then yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough to win games if we're shooting 
25% as a team from three. It's going to be real. Well, what were you about to say? Honestly, I mean, if I were – first of all, you don't have with, – with two of your main guys, three of your main guys out, you don't have much to lose here. Number one, yep. I would tell John Morant, I want you to shoot six or more three-pointers in this game. If they go under the screen, I want you pulling because yep. what do you have to lose? The yep. second thing I 100%. would do, honestly – Hold on. Can I, can I push back on that a little bit, then? <laughs> That doesn't mean it's going to lead to results. No, I know. Six or seven, like that doesn't mean like, oh, that's going to fix our problem. Like, you yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's got to be a threat. They, he's not even pulling it though. He's got to pull it in rhythm. That's exactly right. And percent earlier. That, like, that's that's going to go in though. That's fine. Who cares? But it's on two attempts a be game, a right? Like, I mean, you got to at some point see what you to can be a do. Threat, you got to be a threat to make it, not just a threat yeah, yeah. to shoot it. He's had games where he's done it. He's got to be a threat. He's got to trade. He's got to do it some. But that goes back to the point. He's got to make, somebody's got to make these shots. Like, if you're going to shoot him, somebody's got to make these shots. Oh, Sorry. Like, if he, let's just say he happens to make one of his first two once you go under the screen, all of a sudden that makes that defender Changes come it. out. So it's just, 100%. it's almost like, okay, they're oh, not, no. they're going to keep. Team and the coach. But if he's going to, if they're going to keep going under and he's not going to shoot, they're just going to stay there and it's going to be the same as we've said this whole time. That's what I'm saying. Like, why not just try? We have nothing to lose. Got to. The other That's thing the- that I would say, though, I think my starting lineup, honestly, would be John Morant, Dylan Brooks. Uh, I would play uh, Kyle at the three and then maybe slide in Josh Jackson at the four and then have Jonas and try to do like a rocket style with a with a very a much less athletic capella um but then but you have Jonas in the middle and then you have Kyle being sort of the four combo guy with Josh Jackson in the corner because he's actually he's the one guy who shot the ball well so why not try you bring you bring Melton off the bench for whoever's not fitting in the best whether that's Josh Jackson or Kyle Anderson and then you go from there and you have Tyus obviously in the rotation and Jane coming in for Valanciunas, but why not try? Like last game in the, against the Rockets, we started uh, Ja, Dylan, and Melton, and then Kyle and Valanciunas at the four and five. So why not just keep trying stuff? Yeah, I haven't pulled. I haven't pulled any type of like plus minus combo, but like I test is telling me that we got to stop having JV and Kyle Anderson on the floor together. So. My starting five, ideally, I love I love D'Anthony starting and playing next to Ja, but I think we need him coming off the bench to give us energy and be sort of a shot creator with Tyus. I would love to see Dylan, Ja, Josh Jackson, uh, Gorgie, and Kyle. So then that gives you a little bit more athleticism. Bring Valanciunas off the bench if he's willing to to play maybe more in that pick and roll type option with Tyus, who oh by the way is actually shooting the three a little bit better yeah. and is is pulling it um, efficiently. Um, you may have a little bit more space there and, and try DeAnthony. I just want to see us do something different than right. what we've done the past three games. And bless us, the Kings are a great team to try it against. You play the Lakers again, and, I mean, you're just treading water against the Lakers if you don't have Brandon Clark or Jaron Jackson if they are going to play LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And Valentinus is a smart guy. Like, I don't think that he would – and you could – it really is your temporary solution for the problem, and he has to see that there is a problem. So I would hope that he would be willing to trust the coaching staff and say, yeah, like I'll take a back seat right now and with the – with the expectation that he would be right back in the starting lineup once Jaron comes back. So I, I would, now that you say that, yeah, I mean like Kyle and Jonas being on the floor at the same time is, is one of the, one of the issues. So I, I would definitely be down with sliding in Jang. Yeah. So I agree with that offensively for sure. That makes sense. But also defensively, something's got to happen too. Cause the past right. four, yep. Gave up 129 to Sacramento. LA only scored 117, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I don't know. It's still kind of a lot. Clippers scored 124, then Houston scored 140. Uh, defensively, something's got to give a little bit too. And so it goes back to system. So Jenkins came from Milwaukee. Milwaukee's head coach is Mike Budenholzer, who is notorious for giving up three point shots. He wants to protect the rim and protect free throws. So he doesn't want to foul, and he doesn't want layups. And he's not afraid to give up the three-point shot. Jenkins, I guess, has kind of fallen under that system as well. 
where if he's going to give up something, he's going to give up the three. And teams are killing us three right now. They're killing us. Um, if teams are going to make 15 to 23s a game, it's going to be hard to beat them, especially when we're scratching and clawing to get eight. Um, it's just going to be tough. So something's got to give there too. I don't know if we would change up that either. Um, but I don't know. We're getting, we're getting killed from three as well. Yeah. I do think here's one of the things why I'm trying to, what, with my offensive, um, lineup that I just mentioned that I've thought about is, is because I sort of think that, you know, no offense to our boy, Ja, that really when he's on the court, our defensive, uh, it's really dependent on teams missing shots versus us like getting true defensive stops with Ja. I mean, he has proven to be a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball and improved. Um, Josh Jackson, I think we've sort of seen gets lost multiple times. So I'm sort of comfortable potentially with putting more of an offensive threat on the floor, um, you know, playing defense with our offense per se um, with that lineup um, and then having, you know, a true focus of JV and Tyus um, and DeAnthony kind of anchor in that, that bench unit um, with, I mean, look, you're potentially talking about still bringing in guys like Conchar and you yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Jordan Bell yeah. um, for a little bit. And, and, and I mean, hell, if you're going to go play big bully ball, then I'd rather do that against a bench and, and kind of like the eighth, ninth, 10th players versus like, I mean, we last night when we started against the Rockets looked like kind of like a really crappy version of the grit and grind. Yeah. It was so slow and no athletic, uh, only jaw was our athleticism per, for, for the most part. And no outside shooting whatsoever. It just was, it just had nothing to it. And I just like, can we just get rid of everything that we saw last night from an offensive perspective and try something else that gives us, gives, gives job. And also our team feeds off of Jaws highlights and momentum. So can we get some of that going in the first quarter, even if it means we're, we're only down six against the starters, because then I think that allows a guy like Tyus and JV and DeAnthony to do something pretty, uh, you know, no pun intended there, uh, to do something um, like they've been doing from a bench perspective against and, and feast off of other teams' weak benches. Yeah. So let's look ahead real quick uh, as we kind of wrap up. The uh, We have the Kings tomorrow at home. They're coming off a of back-to-back. Uh, we had probably our most uh, discouraging loss on the road in Houston on a national TV stage without – Brandon Ta-da. Clark and Aaron Jackson. And so you come home after a four-game road trip against a Kings team who presumably will be more tired than they usually are. Um, it's a winnable game. And honestly, it, you have the Lakers coming the day after that. Um, you know, I think FedEx Forum is actually going to show out for both of those games. And it's going – especially the Lakers, obviously. But uh, – this is a really important game for us. We are three games up still in the standings, and you've got poor. I, I was looking at the standings earlier, guys. We did a lot of our uh, a lot of our analysis with the Thunder, who were in the seventh seed. They're all the way up to the five seed, like they're ahead of the Jazz and the Mavericks now. Mavericks are in the seventh, um, but all that to say, Grizzlies are still. In the eighth spot, you would think that from the conversation that we've dropped out, we're not, we're still in, we're still in the lead. We got the Kings and Lakers, but then we have a little bit of a reprieve. We go into Atlanta, play the Hawks, to Brooklyn, play the Nets, who just lost Kyrie Irving, and then you have the next three games are Mavericks, Hawks, and Magic. So there's there's a little bit of a break coming, and this is you don't have. You don't have Jaron Jackson Jr., as we've said. You don't have Brandon Clark. But this is a great time to experiment in some winnable situations, especially in the Kings and Lakers games, just to see if there's anything successful as you go into a stretch of games that you would hope you would win. Yeah. The experimentation in the next two games, hopefully maybe you can experiment enough in a way to find something that works to beat the Kings. And I'm not saying we won't beat the Lakers, but – it seems the percent chances are a little rougher 
because then you go into that next stretch like you just talked about. And if you're going to make a, if you're going to kind of maintain seed in a playoff run, you got to, you got to beat the Hawks and beat the Nets and, and potentially you've really got to almost go four and one in that stretch against the Hawks, Nets, Mavs, and Magic. You got to really, you got to really push it there. Those are, those are the games to win in that stretch. Yeah, this, yeah. I just want to see us have fun again. It feels like we haven't had fun since the rookie sophomore all-star thing. Um, it's just, yeah. We Rising were, stars, yeah. And we were, Randall, you and I were at the Portland game, and it was like, God, it felt like it was 2014 all over again. Like, the place was going nuts. I hope that happens again tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, I just want us to have fun. Uh compete like try hard play really hard like we, we've lost four in a row let's come out friday and like play our tails off like try to get a win at all costs do whatever it takes um because i think we're built we've talked about this too we're building culture and i want to see that culture continue to grow regardless of a few losses couldn't have said it better um guys we hope that you've uh <laughs> that we've all talked this out together. Uh, we're, we're coping right now. Um, but as I said before, it's a beautiful thing that we are this concerned about a four game losing streak or yeah, a four game losing streak, uh, in at the end of February. Cause we couldn't have said that a few seasons ago in the last yeah. few years. So, um, that's a lot of fun guys. Any, any final thoughts as we get out of here? Is this the worst losing streak we've had? We, we've had this season. Uh, it's, it's the worst we've had since like November or something. By far. Yeah. So just remember teams, we, we, we lost six games in a row between November, uh, in the month of November. So there is a chance to have a skid like this and pick it back up, figure some stuff out and start winning some games. So there's, there's your positivity. And Jaron BC and justice will all be back. You would think within like a few weeks. They're not out for the season. They're all coming back. And when they come back, it's going to be glorious. Glorious day. Yep. And uh, we just, right now, everybody has to cheer against Portland and New Orleans. And uh, we just have to hope, we have to, we have to hope that they drop a few games. Because if we're still in the eighth spot, when those three guys come back, um, it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be a really fun finish. That's exactly right. Um, all right, guys, this has been another edition of the Grizzden Pod. For Brantley and Ty, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us. We'll be with you next week. Uh, guys, let's go Let's go to the FedEx Forum tomorrow and uh, come out and, and see a Grizz win. Uh, we need it more than ever right now. Grizzden.com, buy some swag. That's right, that's right, Grizzden.com. Go buy a Joggle shirt, go buy a Jaren 2020 shirt. Brantley right now is wearing the Jonas, this basketball is fun to play shirt. We've got everything for you there and new designs to come. Thanks again to everybody who came out to Crosstown. We will talk to you soon.